0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Joe Moss bringing you On the Money, um, our weekly broadcast show brought to you by Embassy National Bank. I'm the president there at Embassy, and our mission at Embassy is to help small business Um We do it through uh, lending as well as accepting deposits and trying to get good rates of return on uh, money. This show is directed towards uh, helping the small business owner to make sure he can navigate through some of the minefields that are out there. And we've got a really good show today because we're going to talk about uh, starting a small business as well as managing a small business. Um, to give you an idea of, of, of what it takes and what some of the pitfalls are, but also what some of the upside might be. And i uh, got two great guests on the show. One, of the first is Doug Ireland. He is the founder and CEO of Freeland Painting uh, here in uh, uh, Swanee, Georgia. Phil, Doug, how are you?
0: Good. Good to see you. How's it going?
1: G- good. And then I've got Philip Campbell, who is also the managing partner of Homegrown Capital and uh, he's actually a financier here in uh, in Gwinnett County.
2: Thanks for having us, Joe. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, what I'd like to do is, uh, um, Doug. I want first to give you a chance to talk about what your company does. Okay. And then uh, and then I'll turn that over to Phil. You do the same, and then we want to get into a little dialogue about uh, um, some items that'll be would be important to running a small business. So. Doug, you first. Okay,
0: uh, so Freeland Painting is the name of my company. We uh, we started in two thousand nine with the idea that uh, painting services could be done better uh, and, and with a little more focus on customer service and, and attention to detail. And uh, we we do uh, residential and commercial painting services, and we also do uh, roofing, gutters, siding, and windows. And we look for folks who are you know frustrated with uh, their current painter or uh, their current service provider or um, you know embarrassed by the way their house looks and we come and make them look pretty
1: i need to talk to you after the show (laughs) (laughs) all right philip great thanks joe
2: uh philip campbell uh, with homegrown capital Uh, we are basically a private capital firm specializing in asset-based lending to new construction builders and renovators around the uh, residential metro atlanta area uh, we have a pool of investors that we work with to provide secured, high-yield investment rates uh, while providing essential funds to uh, some of our builders
1: and renovators around the Atlanta area. And, uh, by the way, we did a show a couple of weeks ago uh, entitled Innovative Financing, and um, we talked about the gap that certain companies fill from where banks can't go versus what the needs of the market is and uh, um Phil Campbell is one of those. Uh, we'll talk about some of the details of what he does. I want to get back to um, uh, to Doug. Doug, what's your background? Um,
0: I owned a real estate company uh, for uh, quite a few years uh, through the early two thousands and until the crash in two thousand seven. And uh, I was caught in the midst of that, and we ended up uh, uh, having to close the business down. So uh, I think we spoke before we went on air here about, uh, we're, you know, we're going to talk about how to, how to run a business well, and I can tell you how to, how to not run a business well, too. Yeah. You know, there's some lessons learned there. And uh, we, uh, we picked the pieces back up and uh, rebuilt in 2009 and, and relaunched this, and I wanted to um, focus on something that I knew was needed. And at, in 2009, if you recall, nobody was buying anything new. There's no new construction going on. So uh, I, people were investing their money in their own homes. And so that's how we got started.
1: Yeah, there has been a, a lot of that going on. And uh, by the way, in, um, I spent 2006 through, well, just recently, just cleaning up a bank's balance sheet. So very familiar with the crisis was. It is uh, it was a depression here in Atlanta. We were ground mm-hmm. zero for everything across the country, and we're, we're getting cleaned up, but we still have some issues in this town. And then, Sure. But then you drive through North Atlanta, and it's almost like it never happened. I mean, <laughs> have, I ask yeah, the question.
0: we had a 30-year inventory there at one time of, uh, of houses. Where did that go?
1: And, uh, and I wonder if, we're, uh, if we've actually learned from the mistakes sometimes when I look at all the stuff going up.
0: Uh, yeah, I look back uh, at those days and, and uh, you know, we're seeing 15 and 20 percent growth annually and, and we all thought it wasn't going to end. Uh, and I look back now and I just I don't know why I made some of the decisions I made in business. But, uh, you know, getting getting hurt by that stuff is uh, either pick up and, and, and learn from it or or you don't. And, yeah. Um, and here we are now. So uh, things are good. Things yeah. are really good
1: now. Yeah.
2: Philip, um, what's your background? Uh, well, I'm a University of Georgia grad, so i got to give a shout-out to my beloved dogs, uh, <laughs> well, finance major. I'm a Gator major. guy, so oh, I'm gosh. sorry. Uh-oh. I wish I would have known that before I came on. <laughs> He's got on.
1: on Gator Blue, by
2: the
0: way. <laughs> I do, I do, but I'm, I'm actually a Hoosier,
2: <laughs> okay, <an> Indiana grad. <laughs> uh, but I've, I've been fortunate enough to uh, work in kind of quote-unquote corporate America for a couple smaller growing companies in sales and business development uh, in the IT world as well as medical cost management uh, but I've always had uh, a love for real estate. Uh, my dad's been a real estate entrepreneur most of his adult life. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be approached uh, by a good uh, college fraternity brother, Chris Otto, uh, late last year to, to rebrand a company that, that he had been starting on the side and, and help grow it. Um, so just uh, looking forward to, to giving some of my trials and tribulations and things I've learned along the way as well. Now, um Either of
1: you have you uh prior to starting the business um Doug have uh were you a, have you ever been a just a hands-on painter before? No. Okay. So that's interesting. So um, so how did you how did you do this come to yeah, be and, right. and how do you bridge the gap to make sure the work's getting done and all that?
0: Right. So well, you know, when I was uh when I was flipping homes, uh I I was basically managing the projects myself and learned it and and then, you know, like everybody else, I wanted to be a new home builder as well, so we started doing that before you know things came crashing down around our heads. But um, you know, I started learning all the different trades and when I started Freeland Painting, we actually originally named it Freeland Painting and Construction. I thought I was gonna do, you know, a lot of different renovations and stuff, but what I started uh, picking on was the trades that I could do quickly and turn the money over fast. Uh, whereas, you know, if I was gonna build a basement out, I may be in someone's home for you know two, two and a half months, and it doesn't matter how good of a job you do, uh, people want you out of the home by then. Um, mm-hmm. So I picked painting, roofing, gutters, and siding, and we're able to do those things fast, less than a week, get them turned over, and, and, and it's quicker uh, cash flow that way. So I, that's, uh, it's over so time.
1: You, yeah, you, it sounds like you did what we used to do in school, and that's turn everything back into talk about widgets as opposed to an actual Company, so you you view everything as an individual project, irrespective of what that project might be.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes we'll get in on a project that'll have, you know, uh, roofing, painting, and windows that need to be done. Uh, I view those all as one uh, as one project. Well, no, I, I view the roofing and the painting as two projects, and and the windows I, I I put in as part of the carpentry budget. But what 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 I've tried to do is pick on the trades and the services that that I could do fast and be more, you know, the rifle approach as opposed to the, uh, shotgun approach. So we could be g- great at a couple of things as opposed
1: to being mediocre at a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. And, and, uh, Philip, you've, you've never worked in a bank before, have you? No, sir. So you had never made an actual loan before any of this. <laughs> That's correct. So talk about how, what you had learned allowed you to, 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 to be able to make a loan and feel comfortable about doing it.
2: Sure. Absolutely. Well, uh, I've always been comfortable with numbers with with the finance background uh and we really recognize just a little bit of a void in the market uh, as we were talking off air that you know we're just trying to work uh an ancillary to the traditional banking and lending uh banks out there uh helping some of those builders maybe like doug that got hit during the downtime they're still good at what they do uh but th- their credit might not be quite as good as it used to be uh, some of their financials may not be exactly where they used to be, uh, but we're lending pretty much purely on the asset and their quality of their overall work on their projects. Um, so, the, the, from the underwriting perspective, you know we're lending at 65% loan to value, so we're in a safe, first, uh, secure position. Um, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to have a great business partner that uh, has a little bit longer history in this particular market
1: okay and i'm gonna ask you both this question so you can kind of jump in if you want but how important was assembling a business plan or did you assemble a business plan i did did you do a business plan up front i did how important was all that
0: i think it's good for the overall vision uh it's it's obsolete now it sits on the shelf and collects dust (laughs) you know because everything's so fluid in business and and it's been five years now since i uh, wrote that plan and uh, I don't know about you, but mine's completely changed.
2: Yeah, we and to be honest, our business plan was a little less formal uh, because he had a, a history of this as well. Just tweaking some things, going about uh, going after some some bigger clients, uh, raising some additional capital was one thing I was really bringing to the table. So uh, there was a I guess a general business plan already in place, which helped uh, our launching spot a little easier. Uh, but just refining it, tweaking it, uh, and being able to adapt as the market does.
1: Boy, you you guys mentioned something that affects everybody from the largest company all the way down to the small business person is that change is happening so fast these yeah. days. How many times, uh, Doug, how many times have you had to, what you would call, say, adapt your business to what's actually going on?
0: Uh, sometimes it feels like it's just an ongoing thing, you know uh we're we're constant i'm i'm big on technology in in the business and i'm always looking for ways to become more efficient and and do our jobs better because i'm looking for scale uh we we want to eventually grow uh to something that's well beyond my own efforts uh and 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 we're building a team right now and we're growing and and we're on our way to doing that so ad- adapting is 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 key you have to constantly constantly be uh, adapting
1: to the changing environment yeah and you and, and Philip, you've had to adapt a lot too, I would think.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, as Doug mentioned, every company has to evolve and be willing to pivot at some point um, as the company grows. Uh, there's kind of a fine line there I think in a small business and having the, the tenacity and passion for what you're doing, but uh, the open-mindedness to be willing to change and adapt uh, on the fly when you see there might be a better way to go about some things.
1: The thought process that you went through, either of you, uh, before you cranked up into this, do do either of you have fear? Do you have <laughs> yeah. Do you have any fear at all, or do uh, you yeah. just are you the kind of guy that just jumps in and does it because you're pretty confident?
0: No, I'm I I'm constantly afraid of uh, what uh, what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, when you go through what you what, what happened in you know 2007 through 2010, you know, there's there's constant fear of of the changes, but that I think that keeps you on your toes.
2: Yeah, yeah. And Phil? Yeah, I'd say a little bit of fear. And I think, uh, to his point, some fear is good for you. Um, but, you know, it's it's something that there's that, you're in that fine line between not losing too much sleep at night and not worrying about things that you can't control and just going about things the best you can. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. but there, there's ways to mitigate the fear, too. And what I, what I learned is, uh, and a lot of people talk about cash flow, and I don't know if as many people that talk about it understand it, but um cash flow is key but also being liquid um uh, we are we uh we've done all we could can to um to build a big pool of assets that are liquid and i've got uh, the abil- ability to you know dip into that uh and i've got several different pools of stuff including you know uh, lines of credit and things like that which uh but you know we, you've got to have that cash available in the business you can't be running right on the edge,
1: yeah, how do you deal with that, phil? uh,
2: to be honest, we run so lean um, we basically outsourced uh, a lot of our kind of essential operational duties, such as closing attorneys, appraisers, um, uh, home inspectors, that sort of thing, where really it's just the two of us, my business partner and I so the the overhead is is really low, so I think. Doug probably faces uh some some different challenges there than we do. Uh we don't have to we don't have any inventory to keep. Our goal is just to watch after our clients' money and make sure we're putting them in in deals that are going to be successful. And you've had a uh
1: you're undefeated so far. Yes, sir.
2: 86 and 0.
1: Are, are you uh <laughs> do you have plans for uh uh being uh, maybe 101 or something like that?
2: You never plan on it, uh, but we're ready for that. Uh, the line of business we're in, we we invest our own money in many of the deals, and we truly only put our clients uh, and investors' money in deals that we feel confident in, and that if things did ever go awry, we'd be totally comfortable picking up where they left off and finishing the job to make sure that, that everyone's money is protected.
1: All right, and, and the the mindset that either of you had when you started, uh, Doug, you were coming out of, uh, coming out of a tough place, but I thought Philip, you were, you came out of a corporate environment. Didn't you have to give up a lot in order to do this? I think a little bit. Um,
2: the, the corporate environment I came from was small growing companies. There was that, there was that exciting, uh, uh, excitement around that and growing a company and where your voice made a difference, uh, especially being in commission based and, and sales business development. It's almost like you're running your own little company within a, a big organization using their resources and, and obviously paying a premium to them along the way. but you get a little gauge for that. Um, the, the good thing about and, and what I would recommend to any person's trying to start their small business is stay, stay dedicated and, and give your current employer the time they deserve. But, you know, start working on your business on nights and weekends. Get that business yeah. plan going uh, so that it's a smooth transition where some of that fear can be alle- alleviated. Um, so you know that there's a greater chance of success before you cut off that nine-to-five uh, day-to-day paycheck. I
1: I did the same thing. Yeah. I, I, and I didn't mean to... Um, I, talk about where you were when you decided to do this. Well,
0: I went back and got a job in the corporate uh, world as well when things kind of fell apart. I, I brushed up the, you know, polished off the resume and got back out there. And then uh, from between 2007 and 2009, uh, the industry that I was in was also in the construction industry. And I started seeing, you know, what was going on. I saw the writing on the wall. I told my wife, well, you know, I'm going to be unemployed by next Christmas because, uh, you know, construction's cy- cyclical. In wintertime, mm-hmm. it was going to be slow, and I was a little man on the totem pole. Uh, You know, so, and indeed, it happened on November 3rd in 2009, but I had actually already incorporated in uh, uh, March of that year. And on the side, you know, nights, weekends on the side, I was out trying to get my thing started, and uh,
1: it was pretty good, you know. Yeah, both of you keep, I keep coming back to kind of a theme that I have in the overall world these days. And I remember when my mother would ask me, Joe, why don't you just get with a company, because I was always wanting to be on the fringe, wherever I was. Why don't you just get with a company that has a pension and that kind of thing? And I said, Mom, they don't exist anymore. So I come up with this phrase called Me Incorporated. You almost have to create Me Incorporated and look at it along that mindset like you did when you went back to a company. Now, Me Incorporated is actually safer for you than a company might be
0: sure yeah yeah for for me it was bridging the gap because i knew uh i knew i wanted to start another business i knew that that was where my passion lied i just didn't know what it looked like or what it was going to be yet and it just kind of formulated over over those two years you know taking what i had learned from uh from building and and then being in the corporate side of it and understanding then how to write the budgets because that's the other thing too is I, I didn't budget anything uh, when I was you know building houses for myself I just kind of was like well you know I think we can do it for you know eighty thousand dollars let's let's see if we can get a loan and uh, and we, you know we made money uh, but looking back on it we were uh, you know I was I was young I was kind of foolish mm-hmm. and, and now we we target everything uh, there's there's a budget for everything. And uh, uh, numbers are key. If I, and that's what that's the advice I would uh, uh, want to give to someone who's thinking about start, starting a small business right now is get Excel spreadsheets out and and Correct. start yeah start building what you think uh, what you think profit looks like what you think the business is going to look at, like everything that's going to cost you money how much you're going to have to put into it and then and and draw all those steps out to see if it's profitable, or when it can be profitable. And then
1: add another 20%, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then then plan for some contingencies. Right. Uh, This is On the Money, uh, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. And I'm Joe Moss, the moderator of the show. i got Doug Ireland, who runs uh, Freeland Painting. He uh, started this back in 2009. And Philip Campbell, who started and runs Homegrown Capital back in uh, 2011, correct? And... um, we're having a really good talk about, uh, about, I guess, the do's and don'ts, ups and downs, risks, benefits, whatever, running a small business. Um, Doug, how do you leverage yourself? Um, In wh- le- is leverage important? Leveraging
0: you, is that important? You mean my own talents and time, or, or are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, your time,
1: mostly, it, yeah. Well, I'd say that's a tough one.
0: Um, I, I would hate to.
1: Are you the kind of guy that wants to try to do it all himself? No, okay. no. I'm
0: the kind of guy that wants to find good people uh, and pay them for their talents okay. and, and get them as, as successful as they can be uh, because I don't have time to do it all. Um, and I certainly wouldn't be able to grow the business if I were only focused on my own.
1: You know, Philip, what about you? What's your mindset with that?
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. We're not uh, in a position where we've uh, – needed or been able to, to surround ourselves with uh, great employees. But from talking to, to people a lot smarter than myself, you
1: know, that's been key to their success is surrounding yourself with good people. That's important. And, and in fact, I've talked with a several small business people. In fact, I started and ran a small business for a while, and one of my biggest hurdles I had to get away from um, was was letting go. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you really have to have that skill set. And that's a, I think that's a born skill set. I mean, you can learn it. I learned it. But I had a phrase called, uh, in fact, in the corporate world, I was built to be what I called a self-contained fighting unit. I mean, I had to do it all myself. Um, and then when you get out to start your small business, that's a, that's a way to fail is if you have that mindset. Yeah,
0: you, you, you grasp things too tight. They slip through your fingers. I think you, you've got to learn how to, and, and in, especially when, in managing people, uh, managing customers' expectations with so many things, you have to find w- ways to uh, rely on other people to get things done well and and, and recruit and hire the right folks.
1: Yeah. Phil, do you have to check yourself at all on
2: that? Uh, occasionally. Uh, I think also having a, a good business partner that you gel well with for some checks and balances, um, to brainstorm, look at things a little differently. Make sure we're we have the same vision
1: um, and strategies moving forward. Let's talk about that business partners. Do you have a business partner, I, Doug? Well, my wife. Okay, Philip, you've got a business partner. Yes, sir. Uh, relationship okay? Oh, great. Absolutely. Are you fifty fifty? Yes, sir. And Doug, uh, you're one hundred percent. You and your wife are one hundred percent. Well,
0: fifty fifty between the two of us, but uh, uh, she is. Uh, She's my um, my support system. She's pretty much my HR department as well, uh, but she does not work operationally within the business.
1: One of the... Uh, a lot of times what we see at the bank is a lot of infighting. She's listening right now. So okay, well, good. Just, we'll give yeah. a shout out. I understand. And I suspect she is the strength behind the company, too. For sure. Um, but a lot of times what we see at the bank that causes a lot of problems is, is infighting among the partners. And uh, people will... Uh, will say to me, "Gosh, I wish I'd never brought on these partners." Uh, but it's important at first is to bring on a partner. But what do you look, Doug? If you were other than your wife, or if you were to bring on a partner, um, w- what would you what would you look for in a partner?
0: I I uh, I I, and I don't want to uh, uh, discourage anyone who is looking for uh, a partner, but I'm I'm not a partner guy. I've had partners in the past. Um, I don't know if y'all listen to Dave Ramsey. I'm going to quote him though, and he's—he'll say the partnership is the only ship that won't sail. <laughs> uh, and and I'm—I won't go back down that path probably for the rest of my life, and uh, in, and in, unless I'm the one in control, because there's there's always one partner it seems that ends up not working quite as hard as the other one, and then you end up micromanaging because you're—you got to control everything and and. I if for me I prefer to have control of the, the company and control of the destiny.
1: Philip, do you guys have any kind of an agreement that you can fall back on? Sure, absolutely. Okay. Is it the, a pretty airtight agreement in terms of who has to do what and what happens if that doesn't happen or I I or? would say so. Okay. Um we you know, and
2: I, I would agree that harsh infighting can be a real negative and detriment to a company, but if you're not butting heads occasionally, uh I think that can be a good thing, to, to have a little bit of different viewpoints, and that's how you grow and evolve together. Um, you know, even at some of my corporate jobs, if when, when you're growing rapidly, people are going to occasionally have different views. Um, and the, the key is coming to a consensus and, and trying things that, that work out best for the company.
1: Okay. Um, let's talk about the day-to-day running of the company. Uh Typically, I ask guests to uh, uh, put together a list of questions they'd like to ask, and I very rarely get to them, but um, on this particular one, I will, because I, uh, Doug, I was real impressed with the things that you listed that you'd like to talk about, because it's almost like they came out of a, a textbook, you know, you're di- <laughs> you know. So you really take a um, analytical approach to your business. I really do. I really do. Numbers are key. Um,
0: I know every percentage. Uh, well, and in, in most of them off the top of my head. But uh, I, you know, I'm looking at. Uh, I, I use QuickBooks. You know, mm-hmm. in my business, and there's many accounting systems. But whatever accounting system you choose, you need to use an accounting system, and you need to know where all your money is going. And it's so many small business owners that I meet don't, uh, and I, they or they will use QuickBooks, but only just to you know for end of the year stuff. And I don't know. I don't know how they figure out their profitability. Uh, but we know if we're profitable on every single job. I want to know what my gross profit is. I want to know what my fixed versus variable costs are, and then I want to know what my net profit is.
1: So on QuickBooks, are you you set QuickBooks up by individual project?
0: Yeah, we are job costing everything. Okay. Uh, we're running variable numbers, uh, and and uh, so I, I I know what it ta- I know what the numbers need to be. For to run a job, and then I know what the number, the fixed costs need to be in order to run the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and this is how I make decisions on investing in a, you know, when it's time to invest for a, a, a new employee or new technology, which we're actually doing right now. We're setting up a CRM system that's going to totally change how we track our jobs.
1: And the CRM will be the, the will be the client. So you're going to put perspective in there as well as prospective. Yeah, client yeah. So it'll,
0: it'll help our sales. Mm-hmm. Process uh, as well as our production process because it's gonna it's gonna follow the job all the way through till we invoice
1: and get paid. Um, Philip, talk about uh, your financial system or whatever. Do you guys use QuickBooks? We do. We okay. use
2: QuickBooks. Um, we use a lot of spreadsheets as well, just for project analysis, uh, performers on specific deals, um, and then when things become live and we have deals uh, that are actually coming through the pipeline. They're all in QuickBooks uh, as well as our
1: minimal overhead and expenses. Well, plus you have someone that's looking over your shoulder in terms of uh, you do. I mean, Doug, you do too. But, you okay. know, your individual investors, you've got a real fiduciary responsibility yes, sir. to them.
2: Absolutely. So we report back to them, um, you know, as the draws and monthly uh, feedback come out with pictures and updates on our projects. Uh, some of them like to be a lot more passive, just collect that mailbox money every month. Some are a little more hands-on. We'll drive by the projects. We'll ask us for a little more frequent updates. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it really depends on our individual investor. But uh, we're very transparent, open book policy. If anyone has any specific questions um, throughout a a specific project that they're invested
1: in. Um, Do you use CRM, a CRM process? Not really. Okay. Um, Because you could use it both on the builder side as well as the investor side, I would think. Correct. Our... Our relative book of business
2: doesn't really warrant that yet, um, just because we have seemed to found a niche within a a certain group of of builders and investors um, growing kind of organically as opposed to going out searching for a lot of new uh, business on either side of that equation.
1: Okay. Um, I want to come back to CRM for a minute because I, I fought and kicked and screamed when The people that I was in business with wanted to go to a CRM process, but it improved our revenues probably by 50%. Uh, You know, if you stick to and use CRM as a real significant part of your business, um, it really helps because it does help you track sales calls, where you are. It lets Doug, you know what a salesperson has said before you pick up the phone and talk to them. And mm-hmm. if it's if it's well documented, you know exactly what's going on. It's a great communication tool.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what I'm finding out. And I, I don't know how we let it go this long without, uh, you know, because we, we haven't used it up until now, too. I'm five years into this um, <clears throat> and this kind of. Fell in our laps. A friend of mine owns a, a, a technology company in Swanee, mm-hmm. and uh, and he started talking to me about this. He's like, I don't know why you guys aren't doing this. You you know, you seem to have a good handle on the rest of your numbers. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm dropping the ball on that. So we started we started working on. It. He's custom building building it for us, and it, it's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, we did. Uh, we went to we used ACT. ACT. Sure and loaded it up with sales leads, and uh, we're very mechanical about getting out and talking to sales leads and followed up, and uh, it, it really helps. It's, a, it's as important as the financial system. All right, I need to talk, I want a very serious question for you guys running a small business. When you see a little bit of extra money in that operating account, what, how do you keep yourself from dipping at the till a little bit, Doug? Um, you you have to have goals on where those
0: uh, where that money goes. You really do. Um, right now, when I get a few extra thousand dollars in the, in the till that I didn't expect, and it comes in, uh, I'm looking forward to you know paying down the credit line. I'm looking forward to uh, increasing my uh, what I call an emergency fund. We've got a we've got cash on hand to run the business for six months. Hmm. If we stop doing business today, we've got cash on hand for six months. Then that's that's unusual in a in a business. Yes, it is. Um. And I'm really proud of that, and, and I want that to be nine months. So that's one of the goals. So, you know, and, and and I take a little percentage for myself. But what I don't do is just, you know, pocket every penny I can.
1: Um, are you on a uh, – and, Philip I ask you this. Are you guys on, like, a fixed draw that you take? Uh, we, and Doug's nodding his head. Yeah, yeah. we, we pay ourselves a salary. Um,
2: when that operating account uh, balloons up a little bit uh, – we actually like to try to reinvest in the company. We yeah. really put our money where our mouth is. Invest in a lot of these deals that that we have our uh, friends and family investing in because uh, we believe so much in the program. Uh, so we, our goal is to to build that up, reinvest it uh, with
1: our builders, and and you know make enough to to live a decent lifestyle. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. And and uh, you know one of the one of the. A lot of trouble that small business people get in is and number one problem that i've seen is for whatever reason they don't fight they don't pay their 941 taxes you ever been in that situation doug not personally um uh, philip you ever been in that situation no sir and uh i just let people know if you want to go to jail (laughs) don't pay your 941 taxes and you will go to jail because that's money that you're withholding from employees, and the, and the IRS says, hey, you know, you stole it.
0: You have to trust your accountant and you have to listen to your accountant. I, I take uh, uh, expenditures to my accountant before I spend the money on them, and I'm like, look, is this cool? Can we spend this on the business? And, and would you defend me? In an audit, mm-hmm. if I did that, and if your accountant says no, you then you should be writing a personal check for whatever expense that is.
1: And what about ongoing? You're paying an estimated quarterly tax. Um, how do you all handle that? Is that something an accountant tells you about? Is that something you put together yourselves? How does that work? Uh, yeah, yeah. Our, our CPA is is very involved in our process along the way. Yeah, us too. So and so you don't get to the end of the year and go oh my god I got to come up with 50 grand for taxes right Now
0: I actually put uh I estimate uh my uh tax impact with a percentage of our net um our net profit and just put it into an account on my own mm-hmm. and I self
1: insure myself on that and then when it gets to the end of the year we write a check okay All right let's talk about uh threats that are out there um been a lot of talk about you know the one I've been hearing about is healthcare. Doug, is that affecting? Have you seen any of that yet? Well,
0: I mean, I'm not at 50 employees yet, so it's it's not directly impacting my company, but it's going to directly impact uh, a lot of my customers, and it's going to make them tighten the purse strings, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's we see uh, we see that fear uh, when we talk to other folks, when we talk to our clients and stuff, and and when that happens, people will stop the discretionary spending which, uh, you know, painting a house isn't exactly discretionary. Sometimes it needs to get done, but there people will put it off. During
1: it can the be lean, deferred.
2: During the lean times, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, what about you? What are some of your threats that you're seeing out there?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think there will always be a need for our uh, service, but uh, I guess one of our biggest threats would be, you know, banks such as uh, Embassy and the other uh, community banks around kind of aggressively lending, again, to the speculative home builder out there. I think we'll always fill a void to help uh, help them do some additional deals that they maybe can't get traditional financing for. But we have seen that that market uh, start to loosen up a little bit as the market has grown increasingly
1: better. I think the regulators are going to keep you in business. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I hear from them uh, just about every month. I was going to say, until the federal
0: government changes things, I think you, you you definitely have got some job security there because they're not letting banks do this.
1: I'm, I'm assuming that you're it's all private funds, so you're not held to the same standards, Correct. right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah, and he's uh, and also the big part of it is that you're lending not to a consumer, so you're not bound by all the fair credit, Correct. all those Humda, uh, and oh my gosh, uh, I can't really make a loan anymore and make any money on it to a consumer because I've got to go through everything and then. Now that we've got the uh, CFPB, which is this overall watchdog group created by uh, Dodd-Frank, mm-hmm. um, I don't know why anybody would make a consumer loan anymore. You're just open to a lawsuit, it seems like. Yeah, it's a tough business to be in right yeah. now. It's, uh, I
0: mean, and on the, Conversely, uh, it took me five years to find a bank that was willing to uh, you know, extend a line of credit to a small business like mine and 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 trust us that we were going to be able to take care of that and it and and what ended up happening for us is uh I had to build the cash flow up to a point where they couldn't say no anymore and uh, you know it, it so being having strength on your cash flow and and your ability to to bring business in um, i think will help you grow as well
1: um one of the issues, Doug, and maybe you share this with me, but one of the issues I had going through workout, because I had to work through probably, I was involved in two bank turnarounds. One was successful, one was successful, um, but I bet I've worked through $200 million worth of bad stuff, and one of the fears that I had coming out of it is, would I ever have the, the courage to make another loan ever, ever, ever again? Yeah. Did did you? It sounds like what you learned from beforehand has really kind of uh, helped you and disciplined you for what you're doing now.
0: Yeah, and it's ironic too because now we don't need the loans as much because <laughs> we've got all this cash. And finally, the bank was like, well, you got all this cash. We'll give you a loan. <laughs> and so, I mean, where were you five years ago when I, could, I needed the money? You know, But, uh, but it's, it's OK, because it, it's, it's good, because I can see some things that we're going to be able to do with it in the future. We're going to be able to grow. Because we need that money for, quite frankly, not for the slow times, but for the growth times. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, that's true. When it
0: gets busy. You know, and i got to float uh, to my customers for 60 days on invoicing. Um, you know, we gotta, we got to be the bank. We have a, I want to talk. Both
1: of you are, are affected by this labor shortage. We're hearing a lot in Atlanta about labor shortage. Are any of you feeling, seeing your clients in a pinch with labor or
2: uh, not, Doug? Not directly, personally. I, I guess I wasn't
0: paying attention. I hadn't. This is first I've heard of a labor shortage. Uh, are they talking about uh, hands-on labor?
1: Are we talking about the builders, the or the, the, the tradesmen? subcontractor, or the tradesman to the builders?
0: I actually felt that pinch last summer, but not so much this year. I got people actually now calling me. Uh, really, wanting jobs, yeah, uh, and last year we couldn't find it. We, I, I, I couldn't find anybody uh, to paint for us and this year they're they're calling me every week.
1: you know, you have a job. yeah I wonder what are you what are you hearing on your side, Phil?
2: Yeah, from what I'm hearing, a lot of people are getting back that maybe exited the the general real estate or construction industry now that things are kind of quote unquote booming again. Some of those people are, are getting back in that market. I'll tell you what it did, though. Um, back in two thousand nine,
0: when everybody fled the state uh, and, and, uh, and the construction industry was hurt so bad, the only people left were the uh, the ones that were really good at what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So my labor my labor pool was actually uh, higher quality, and it yeah. has been since.
1: Um, well, we're unfortunately we're getting close to the end of the show this has been a really good talk i want to we need to go back and summarize because i'm hearing a lot of good themes coming out of this thing the first thing we talked about was kind of a business plan and um sound like you guys did a business plan but your business planning is more uh is more reactive or interactive i should say it needs to be uh Constantly reviewed in terms of potential revisions to the marketplace, fair statement. Yeah. Okay. Correct. A, um, a
0: mission statement is is key. That's mm-hmm. that's the one thing that has uh, I've hung everything on is my mission statement.
1: And what about outside influences? Do you have uh, someone on Doug? Someone outside the company that you, as a board member advisory person, that you can kind of lean on to be objective. I, I
0: have uh, an accountability partner. Um, I. I typically, when I'm making a decision, will run things past uh, several people. My accountant, my financial advisor, uh, and my wife, who is my business partner, and and, uh, my accountability partner is another uh, friend of mine. Um, I get lots of opinions before I make a decision, especially in hiring. Outside of the business. Outside of the business, yeah. absolutely, and, and and it doesn't have to be your accountant. It just so happens that my accountant is also a brilliant businessman, and, and so is uh, my financial advisor. So those guys have a wealth of information, and 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 if you have people that you know that, that you know can help you with those business decisions, you absolutely, gotta ask them as many questions as you can. And yeah. Run Felt, you, yeah you, so. In
1: fact, you put on your list, uh, uh you put it down as mentor slash role model.
2: Yeah, well, I guess uh, Doug uh, was fortunate enough to be able to give his his wife a little quick shout-out, so I better do the same before (laughs) I end up in the doghouse. So I have a a beautiful wife, Tori, who is uh, a great support support system at home, which I think can be just as important as a support system uh, at the job. Uh, But I think it started with my granddads. They are both entrepreneurs, uh, James Starnes and uh, Tom Campbell. Uh, He owned Camco Paints and Wallpaper Atlanta around uh, Atlanta for for several years, uh, my dad, uh, being in real estate, I think hit some of those hard times that Doug did, is, is, has uh, kind of weathered the storm, not quite uh, out of the uh, the frying pan yet, but has been able to hold on. It's been a great inspiration to me to, to see what tenacity and fortitude um, can do to, to help kind of weather those bad times. And, um, you know, having a good team around you, like we've mentioned, uh, to,
1: to run some advice by, uh, always is helpful. Doug, did you... Did you think you were going to be an entrepreneur when you were, yeah, in uh, teenager, high school, in school?
0: I, I tried. Uh, I, I contemplated my first business at age uh, um, like twenty. Uh, never did it anything with it, but we had an idea uh, and, and you know made a business plan for that. And uh, and then I, I went to college a little later. I, I didn't go back to college. Until I was twenty four. I graduated at twenty eight. But uh, my wife and I met in college, and I remember my senior year. Sitting down at you know dinner with her one night out at a restaurant, and I was like, "Look, can you hang with somebody that's going to be unconventional? Because I'm not going to go into the corporate world. I'm going to find something for myself." And we've we've now started um, and operated several businesses. Um, and I would venture to say,
1: Freeland Painting won't be my last. No. Yeah. Okay, Philip, had you always thought you'd be an entrepreneur?
2: Yeah. I, I actually was selling candy in the back of classes in elementary and uh, middle school. Uh, being able to buy my own video, video games and, and Nike shoes was a pretty cool feeling. And I, I think I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit, um, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to to, get, to give a shot at it. Yeah.
1: Um, I think that's important. There are a lot of corporate people out there who uh, I, I I did it for a, a while, and but I always had a, a – urge to kind of do it on my own and that's what i've done and it's it's painful sometimes it can be but the upside's fun mm. yeah. the upside is fun There's um, no other
0: way I, I wouldn't see it any other way but I mean, it's uh, you know i was going to say earlier too i i, I wouldn't even want to get a calculator out and figure out what my hour, hourly rate okay. is no don't don't <laughs> it would be sad don't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um all right well unfortunately we're going to have to uh bring all this to the end um Doug, what I'd like for you to do is kind of summarize if you were sitting down to talk to somebody who was thinking about jumping into this crazy world of small business, what you tell them, kind of an elevator thing, and then uh, also wrap it up with how to get in touch with you uh, um, uh, in, for potential new clients.
0: Okay. Um, I, I would say plan, plan, plan. Uh, put everything down on paper. <clears throat> get the spreadsheets out. Get your numbers set. Um, uh, understand and know <clears throat> excuse me your market your customers uh, uh you know have a SWOT plan uh you know strengths. Sure, strengths weaknesses opportunities and threats that's exactly right i wrote all those things down as well um before we started uh and and work hard work hard on the side and 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 keep the vision uh, you when as an entrepreneur you're driving the vision for the rest of the company and uh, and and that's what you have to be is the big ideas person
1: okay uh, some oh, phone number, you know, website, whatever, um,
0: email. Website, freelandpainting.com, F-R-E-E-L-A-N-D, painting.com. You can find a lot of information there. Um, we're, our office line is 678-679-3126. I can be reached at, uh, Doug at freelandpainting.com. And, uh, if you have, and, and you know, that goes for anybody that has any questions about small business too, because we're always willing to help
2: out and I'll Good. sit down with someone and, and share my limited knowledge good good <laughs> phil um i guess i would say try to find something that you're passionate about i think that's a important trait uh for any small business or entrepreneur uh to, to find something where they wake up excited every day to go go after it um i think uh you need to make sure that you're willing to take some risk you know leaving that maybe that nine to five job with a steady paycheck but try to take calculated risk uh and and try to test the market somehow before you make a bold move. Just try to get some feedback from uh some smart people, some advisors, your test markets. Really see if there's there's a need for a market for what you wanna do and, and how you're gonna be able to build a better mousetrap than than another guy. Um in regards to homegrown capital, I would say, you know, we're we're always looking for uh investors, uh uh, ideally high net worth investors that think 13 to 15% annualized return. They want a little a,
1: bit better than a 0.75% exactly. return on no, their CDs.
2: No no offense to their traditional <laughs> bank. <laughs> but uh, What's the minimum level
0: of investment for you guys?
2: Uh, typically 50,000. Um, ideally, we we gain a pool of people that are willing to take on full deals by themselves, but we have bundled them together. Everyone's always in first position security uh, on the warranty deed. Um so, so uh,
0: an investment is not pooled together, and then the pooled money is used for for one project. It's one investor on one project.
2: Correct. Our current model, and we have brainstormed That's a safe way to do it. Yeah. So, we have looked at to doing the pool and fund thing, but then there's a lot more regulatory stuff that can get sure. involved. Um, so right now, it's you know when someone invests money with us, they know exactly what project, what property address their money is going
1: to before they give us a dime. And, and that creates discipline on your side as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, boy, this has been a great talk, and um, I, uh, I really appreciate both of you all being here. We could Thank probably you. go on for – in fact, we're going to do this show again because there are, there are probably, as I'm looking at it, I had another ten uh, discussion points that I wanted to get into. And that doesn't even include the discussion points that they wanted to do. But I think this has been a good show to kind of give someone a very high-level look in terms of what they might be getting into, jumping off into small business. So, um, and let me add that Embassy National Bank is a small business itself. Uh, we're a small community bank. We have private shareholders. Uh, we're not privately owned. Uh, we took no TARP money. Uh, we've taken no government money. So, hey, we're in the same ballpark you guys are, uh, and we do all the same things that you do, contingency planning, risk planning, threat analysis, uh, all those things, and uh, it's, it's just a great discipline that, that you need to get into. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much. This has been a, a, a good uh, episode, if you will, of, of On the Money, and um, this is Joe Moss, president of the Embassy National Bank. And uh, thanks for listening in, and we'll talk to you next week. And in the meanwhile, just be real careful out there. Thank you.